0: Welcome back. AM 1160, The Quest, Atlanta Catholic Radio. We are still in day one of our pledge drive, but we are in the last hour of our pledge drive. So give us a call right now. Call 678-688-4549. We are going to be dealing with a, a difficult topic in the next hour so we will probably not be breaking in as much can you go ahead and write down that number 678-688-4549 please give us a call we're going to continue that two thousand dollar pledge because we didn't didn't get close but we do have some updates that are coming in so we we have heard from karen we've heard from gina marie casey and Alyssa. that gives us a total of $470 $470 towards that match, and uh, we would like to continue that. So dollar for dollar, we will be matching every dollar that's called in from now until 7 o'clock up to $2,000, and then we have another one that we can start right after that one. So let's not let, not miss out on that $2,000 match. Give us a call right now, and the number again to call 678 uh, sorry, six seven eight six eight eight. 4549. Please give us a call. Alright, we are welcoming into the studio. We have Antoinette, we have Andrew, and we have Tammy, and we have Casey on the phone. And so we are grateful to each one of you who have come in. And our topic is going to be sex trafficking that is occurring in the Atlanta area and the prayers that are going out for that and Andrew is actually going to take the lead. I will be interrupting you every so often to give out the phone number and ask people to call, but but you'll be taking the lead. We want to always begin with prayer. All good things begin with prayer. Would one of you be willing to to lead us in a prayer for this next hour?
1: I'll do it. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time where we get to pause and share about a topic that is is often difficult to have a conversation about. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us as always. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is present through the sacrifice of Christ so that we can be led um, to, to have this conversation and also that there can be healing and restoration um, by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. So, again, the number to call 678 678- Six eight eight four five four nine. The number's on the paper over there. You're welcome to interrupt and give it at any time, but I'm going to turn it over now to, to Andrew, who's going to talk about this this topic and, and lead the discussion.
1: Sure. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Um, I thought we'd start off just by asking Antoinette and Casey and Tammy to kind of share a little bit about themselves, um, how they engage in the efforts to bring the Lord's healing and light to the sex trafficking and abuse in Atlanta right now, and perhaps what may have, First, convicted you to engage as you do now. So, um, Casey, since you're on the phone, uh, do you mind? Do you mind going first?
2: Yeah, I don't mind at all. Thank you, Andrew. Um, my name is Casey McClure, and I'm the founder of an organization called For Sarah, and we reach out to women that are in the adult entertainment industry, and that they might be dancers, they might. Um, be escorts, they may, might be on the street working as prostitutes, but mostly we end up finding out that these girls have been exploited and trafficked at some point in their life. and I'm a survivor of the industry. I worked as a dancer for almost six years and started an organization and named the organization for Sarah after my daughter, Sarah. I changed my life and dedicated my life to God in 2004. And never looked back, walked away from the industry and just really um, felt a need to help these girls. And because I was in it, my sister was in it, my brother was in it, um, my grandfather was a buyer. And so basically, we just love on the girls where they're at through our outreach program. And then we have a scholarship program where we encourage them to go back to school. And then we also are opening our first safe house for pregnant women and women with children coming
1: in December. Awesome. Thanks, Casey. Tammy, do you mind going next?
3: No, not at all. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Tammy Kennedy. I started a nonprofit called King's Treasure Box Ministries. And, um, I actually was trafficked by my mother here in DeKalb County, uh, my whole childhood. And so when I ran away from home at 16, uh, I continued to struggle with a lot of guilt and shame and just a lot of self-hatred and uh kept pushing the memories and all the things down ended up in a psych hospital when I was 29 and was in and out of mental hospitals for many years and um with God and a ton of miracles that all happened I talk about my divine treatment plan um I ended up getting my master's degree in counseling and started this ministry I worked for Defacts for 15 years and Just love helping other people heal. And my piece of this is I write books to help children heal because over 90% of the women who are in the sex industry were sexually abused as children. And so if we can help children and young people heal early, then they're much less likely to be trafficked later or to have abortions or go into drugs and alcohol and all those things and so my passion is to help people heal as early as possible so that they don't end up in that kind of lifestyle or on drugs or those things and so that is my piece of the puzzle is sort of prevention from trafficking but after abuse so I write books and
4: help people heal and do a lot of speaking and things like that
1: awesome yeah and Antoinette how about you
4: Good evening. I'm Antoinette Irons, and I'm actually from St. Philip's B.C. Catholic Church uh, in Jonesboro. Uh, I come into this in a totally different aspect. I've been a critical care nurse for most of my life. I've traveled in different parts of the world and worked, and worked at Emory Midtown recently, where I, where I retired from. I got into this ministry purely by one of the ministries that I belong to at St. Philip's Benizi, which is Angels of Mercy, and what we do is help screening for, you know, people who don't have or are underprivileged. And this particular ministry came to me as an invite, just to go to breakfast and with Atlanta praise, and there were different topics that they were talking about that day. It was food, homeless shelter. Food for the Poor, and Sex Traffic was the third one. It was something I knew nothing about. I was totally naive and was interested. I thought, well, let me look at this. And I learned so much and was totally shocked. I felt that others needed to know about this. And so I was driven to kind of start praying, and I felt like I can at least pray. I don't need you know, to do anything else. That was my insight into this. And the praying grew into... You know becoming part of this and my work is to pray and making people more aware of what's going on with our young people and in fact all aspects of life and that's kind of how my part in this job comes
1: awesome um, y'all, y'all kind of all started to hit on a little bit, so I'll we'll just ask the question. Maybe it'll bring about um, some other comments. What's one thing you know, in as you've continued to involve, get engaged, and be involved in, in bringing about healing and light on this topic, that's kind of surprised you um, as as you've progressed in your engagement?
3: Uh, this is Tammy. For me, probably the fact that most of the buyers are all men that are north of the perimeter and so it's basically the white men affluent men are coming into atlanta and are the buyers and from what i saw on tv growing up and everything i that wasn't what i thought it would be and so that was the thing that since i started volunteering and doing work with this that
4: i was the most shocked about i think for me the shocking news was about the kids young people, 8-year-old and 14-year-old on the street, and children molested at home, um, babies. And I think that is so shocking to me that, you know, it's not just the girls of the night on the street, but young people haven't learned how to play even with a doll. So for me, I'm really, you know, devoted to helping people to be more aware and conscious of what's happening. And I would say... um the most shocking thing, it really,
2: when you start seeing the mothers as they start to age and their children start growing up and you start seeing their children go into the lifestyle um, and you just start seeing that generation, um, the repeat generation and the youth, and just they're wanting to become dancers or become an escort because their mother did it, that is the hardest part that we have to see every day when we try to help the women that are transitioning out of it.
1: No, we'll, we'll probably need to take a uh, break in in a second here for a minute, but I'll I'll share this because it'll lead to a, a question that we can ask after the break. You know, f- for me in in various conversations through the city, uh, two of the things that really stood out were were anecdotes from law enforcement where uh, one was asking for prayer um, because he said that they were in a particular part of town because they were having to uh, serve warrants on homes to address sex trafficking because that's where it had shifted to. And it included, uh, I think, an apartment complex. He mentioned where they they had knocked out a wall between two units and turned it into a brothel, and just just realizing that that's where it had gone to. Or at the same time, you know, there's there's what you see on the streets, and then as maybe Tammy was alluding to, um, these these law enforcement officers had indicated that there's a whole other level of it that has money that you know pays to keep it at a distance, um, and and how all that's connected. So uh, it was it was an, an eye opener. But um, let me allow for the break-in and then we'll continue the conversation
0: all right and i would just like to to mention too to all of our listeners you've gotten a, a little bit of a uh an idea as to what's going to be talked about this hour so if you have children that you don't want exposed to this then i would say you know take them to another room if you have to turn off the radio then by all means turn it off um we do not in any way want to to cause any problems, especially with with children. So the number to call, though, if you would like to make a pledge and to help Catholic Radio and to help keep Catholic Radio on the air and strong, the number to call is 678-688-4549. 678-688-4549. And, Andrew, before we go on, maybe you can tell a little bit about how you got involved as well? Because we heard from from Casey, from Tammy, and Antoinette a little bit. Sure. So, so what's your involvement with this?
1: Uh, my personal understanding has to do with a very cl- person close to my life, um, who I learned uh, about five or six years ago had been um, raped by her father when she was growing up, and uh, having to live through that journey. That's I was clueless about it, as like Antoinette was saying until that. But um, now I have. You know, eyes and, and sight to to see it. I um, would have never imagined this would be a part of my life uh, at all, whatsoever. Um, and then, as the citywide prayers progressed that Antoinette's alluded to um, back in 2015, there was 125 hours of prayer for the city of Atlanta, with about 100 churches and 70 nonprofits that came together to pray for the city, and the archdiocese was a part of that. Um, I was one of the individuals that was kind of behind the scenes to help coordinate that. So that prayer has continued. And as Antoinette, you know, mentioned, um, usually there's there's prayer focusing on I'd say four key areas. It's just how it evolves, homelessness, perhaps because it's the catch-all when no matter what happens in life, you're 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 at your 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 end. Um, hunger, youth, and then sex abuse and sex trafficking. So there's various efforts through citywide prayer that, you know, evolve out of that. Um and, and this just happens to be one of those areas where there's a focus.
0: All right. Okay, so again the number to call six seven eight six eight eight four five four nine we are in day one of our pledge drive in the very last hour of our pledge drive we go back to regular programming at seven o'clock and then we'll be back on the air again tomorrow from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. with a whole list of new guests and then again on thursday from seven from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then back to regular programming for several months probably until the next pledge drive. I'm not sure what the, the plan is. I'm sure they'll be able to tell after this pledge drive is complete and they see the donations that were received then they'll be able to, to plan and decide where they're going to go from here but right now is the time to really call in and help and make a pledge towards Catholic Radio. 678 688 4549 We are talking with with Andrew, with Antoinette, with Tammy, and with Casey, and the topic is sex trafficking. So again, if there is someone within listening range that should not be hearing this topic, then please, by all means, uh, make sure that, that they are out of the room or that the radio is turned off. All right, so we'll go back to Andrew, who is sure. going to facilitate this.
1: And, and I'll just say, I think before we got on the air here, someone had mentioned that if people had wanted to call in with a request for prayer, they might be able to do it. Yes. And Somebody could take that down, and then um, you, you might be able to receive that card that kind of says this person might need prayer. So if, if anybody that's listening um, has that need for prayer, whether you're a survivor or just you know um, kind of being struck for the first time with this, then please feel free to call in, and, and uh, we'll have prayer going. Um, So, you know, one of the things that's been mentioned, I think, time and time again that got sex trafficking in Atlanta on the radar was a a 2001 um, study by the Washington, D.C. Urban Institute. And what they did was they they studied eight major American cities for about four years or so to determine um, the size of the sex trade in these cities, Atlanta being one of those. And they determined in Atlanta that from 2003 to 2007, it had grown from about $232 million per year to $290 million per year. So I'd love to ask Tammy and Antoinette and Casey, from what you know, what, what contributes to this, including what many may not initially think plays a role in all of this. Any insights that y'all would like to share?
3: Uh, I I was on the, the part of the governor's sex trafficking team early on uh, just for a little bit. One of the things they said was that we really weren't the number one. It was, it was more that we were doing a lot for arrest because it was really on the heart of the mayor to really do a lot of arrest. Um, but the deal is it doesn't matter who's first, second, third, or eightieth it's such a bad issue in every city, and um it's all around the world and everywhere and so who's number one really doesn't matter? I think transportation plays a part of it like marta we have a great you know transit system here, and then also just the the way the the um highways go through Atlanta, so one is just easy. But a lot of sex trafficking goes on um, through Internet and through phone. I know Casey can talk more about back pages and things like that. So um, it's a it's a huge issue everywhere. That's the main thing out of this is you could live in a no name place in Alabama that nobody's ever heard of. And you have sex trafficking there. And so, Casey, what do you think about that? Yeah, thanks, Tammy. That's a good point. Um, well, of course back in 03 to 07
2: I see that it uh, at that back then it was the, the strip clubs were really popular. Um there's a lot of more girls on the street than there was girls online, but through the years because of the internet, because of the uh, availability, easy availability for a girl to go online and start selling herself, we started seeing a shift from girls being on the street, working the street that might be escorting or prostituting to, they would go on to get their smartphone and be able to post an ad online on a website such as Backpage and Craigslist, but which are now no longer operating um, escort sites. But there's other escort sites now that still look at it as a funding opportunity for them to be able to make millions of dollars. And so um, with girls that are being able to be sold online, that's where the risk of girls that are 14 and 13 years old that can go online from their smartphone while they're in school for the day. And by the time they get out of you know school, they can go on a date with a guy. And so that is just, uh, unfortunately, we live in a very sexually um, driven society. And even if we shut down opportunities such as the strip club or other sites that might be selling these girls, there's always creative ways that traffickers and women will look to try to either um, – sell themselves or either an exploiter will find a a young girl and might be, you know, be through Facebook. It might be through any other site, Instagram. They'll recruit girls to go work for them. There's pimps that have recruited girls through Instagram, through Facebook, um, through other sites that um, they, you know, glamorize the life and make them think that it's something that they they want to be a part of. And then young ladies will, you know, be lured by that. And next thing you know, you know, they're just moving from state to state. So Atlanta might be hot this year, but next year it might be New York or it might be, you know, Alabama. They're just, it's a moving target. They're going to go if there's a lot of police activity they're going to try to avoid the police. They're going to try to go to a, a little quiet town where the law enforcement's not as, as educated or the community's not as uh, educated about trafficking. And then that sometimes um, they can go underground and, and that just kind of grows from there.
4: For me, I think that one of the big problems we have is family breakdown. and The internet hasn't helped because, as you say, most of the business is being done on the internet and you can't really control that. But my concern is the families have broken down, you know, parents are, they're single parents and they are working literally 24 hours just to keep things going. So the kids are at home, don't have any control. And a lot of this is done not during the night, but during the daytime. So kids are being picked up and then, you know, dropped off at six o'clock when the parents are coming home. So I think we need to go back to looking at the family and how to help them because a lot of the problems is in the home.
1: Yeah. And I, just to, we'll shift back to the broader view of Atlanta in a second, but kind of piggybacking on what you just said, Antoinette. How do you start the conversation with kids on this?
3: I think one of the things you need to bring up big time is drugs, because, like, with, when I was a, a defects case manager, I had moms that were allowing the drug supplying uh, boyfriends to live in the home and they were turning a blind eye to the fact that the drug supplying boyfriend was touching the teenage daughter and we didn't know back then to call that sex trafficking but if you're getting drugs or meth in exchange knowing that you know your boyfriend is touching your daughter that's trafficking because you're getting something and so um, drugs is a big issue so talking to kids I love what you said, Antoinette, about the fact that there is a huge family breakdown in America. Pornography is a big part of that, that huge issue. But we have got to do a better job talking to our kids, loving our kids, getting families involved in things to help the family um, heal as a whole so that they can um, talk and help each other. I think the church, the body of Christ, no matter what denomination, the churches need to get involved Um, more now
4: than ever before in helping families. I think I can just back up what Tammy says about the church. In fact, how I got involved with this and starting, I started with myself. And then I was very fortunate to have a priest, Father John, who, when I talked to him about it, said, you know what, you can pray. And so gave me a whole month in the church to be able to pray and offer prayers. And um, that kind of escalated into just getting people, praying, getting, making some prayer cards. And the object of that was for people, if you're driving along, to leave it in your car, it was meant to be a visor thing. So you could pray more and get people to, to be aware. I think this is a large factor that we have to do is being, people need to be aware of what's going on and not just ignoring it. Because that's, we, it's a lack of knowledge. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. And I'm an nurse. And, you know, I think this is what happens to a lot of families and people.
1: Casey, what are your thoughts on on how to start the conversation?
4: Well, of course I came from a broken home
2: so I agree 100% on what they're saying. Um nobody stopped and you know even as a child nobody I was molested as well just like Tammy we both came from abuse in our home and my sister was molested and I think <sighs> And you do turn a blind, some people do turn a blind eye and they might think something's going on, but they're too afraid to get involved. So I think mostly just taking the time out, the church and just people in general, that if you see something that you are concerned about, just get involved, just ask questions. You don't, you know, it doesn't hurt to be nosy, but if a child, if you think a child is um, at risk, um, take the time out with that child. Don't just label that child as a misfit and give up on the family, Um, turn your eye from the family, but invest in that family, take time with that child. And and that will sometimes, it might not help them 100% now, but later on down the road, they'll remember that, that you took the time out and listened to what they had to say, no matter what's going on in their life, whether they're, you know, running away or they're, um, you know, dropping out of school or they're just having a hard time. I think just mostly just paying attention to people and just loving people in and, and sometimes letting God work through that situation
1: hmm. I, I don't know for me I mean that's just just uh letting it slow- letting everything slow- it's an overwhelming topic to think about um and it's it's one where you feel helpless of what can I do? I think a lot of the wounds you know are are spiritual, um which will lead to the next question about prayer in a second but but really just taking that next step that's i remember a, a different law enforcement officer had said, you know people always if you if if you when you see something say something that was the main thing he said because if you wait then it the opportunity may have been missed and and especially with kids they're always trying to tell us something in whatever way they can, and so can we just seek to understand and then kind of take it one step at a time let the holy spirit lead um how does how does prayer um work in in this in this this space i guess for each one of you all
4: Well, I think it's vitally important. Um, In fact, it's the one thing I think will work because God's in charge ultimately. And if we just spend time, even one prayer always helps. I think it also guides you into how to approach your child or to be more aware. Um, You know, like I try to tell the teens when you don't bully because you don't know what that other person is going through. So I think that if people get used to praying and really, you know, um, devoting that kind of caring time, I'm not saying you have to go to church, to mass, um, I do, but um, what I'm saying is that you need to really pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with you and to guide you and be aware of each other, what's happening. Don't just bounce somebody off or if they look like they're struggling or sad, go up and ask what's going on and see if you can help.
3: One of the things I think about is usually when we're praying, we're praying because we're we're praying and we're wanting to help the the person that's wounded. And one of the things that God has taught me about the importance of praying is that praying helps me because, for example, I meet a lot of survivors and a lot of people will come to me and they'll have horrendous stories, things that I can't even bear even with my childhood. It's either too close or I don't know, but it's like such a burden. And so as I feel it and I'm helpless, I can't fix their problem. There's generational stuff there. I'm even thinking maybe their children might not even be in a good place. And it's just overwhelming at the need. And I think I can't do anything about this. And so um, one of the things God taught me to do is, especially at night, because I know at night, a lot of people are getting hurt at night and a lot of children are getting hurt at night. And it used to really, like I would grieve and I would, would go to bed and I wouldn't even be able to sleep because I would be in so much pain knowing what was going on all around the world. And God taught me to realize that for all the miracles he did to get me where I am and to help me. He loves those people and those children a billion times more than what I could ever do or think. Or help. His heart is so bent towards them that it's important for me to know that that all I can do is is, is imagine giving those people into his hands. And so when I go to bed at night and I'm reminded of those things, I just picture children and women and men and hurting people. And I just pass them, especially the people that I've just met that I know are wounded, I imagine me passing them over into Jesus' hands and saying, I can't take this burden. It's just too big for me, but I trust you with it. And so when we pray, it's not just that we pray for the people that we're, we're, we're grieving for, but we also do that to comfort ourselves because it can be very overwhelming when you're wanting to volunteer or help in this issue.
0: And and I would like to, since since we have the the advantage of having Catholic Radio right here and we're discussing this topic, we have a potential 3.1 million listeners and prayers, people who can pray with us. So we should take a moment and we should pray, all of us together, for that. And then I want to give out the number again. But but let's just take a moment and really pray. So would one of you lead us in that prayer?
1: Antoinette. Antoinette, can you do it? Father.
4: Father. I ask you to give us the grace because you know the pain, as Tammy said, that we go through. And I know myself, when I think about things, it's really disturbing to me. And I know you help me to get up each day and to continue with this job of helping people. So I ask you to be with each and every one of our members, all the survivors, the ones that are trying to survive, the ones that has to go through it. I ask you to lift them up and be with them and maybe we can't help but you can help and so i'm begging you lord to please help everyone
0: amen amen all right so we want to interrupt just for a second this is an extremely difficult topic uh we're talking about sex trafficking in the atlanta area and praying for for those who have been harmed and so but we we do have to stop and and also focus on The reason that we're here today, which is to have a pledge drive and to raise money for Catholic Radio. And we really need for you to consider prayerfully whether or not you can support Catholic Radio by calling in or by by going online and making a pledge. To call in, you call 678-688-4549. Or you can go to thequestatlanta.com. TheQuestAtlanta.com, and you can make a pledge uh, online. We are matching dollar for dollar anything that is pledged up to $2,000. So far, we've had $470 of that $2,000 called in. That was at the 5 o'clock hour, so we'd like to get some more coming in at the 6 o'clock hour. The number to call again, 678 six, eight, eight, four five four nine we are going back to regular programming at seven o'clock so right now is the time when we need your help we will again be on from eight to seven tomorrow but right now we need your help six seven eight six eight eight four five four nine we have this two thousand dollars before us Uh, they will match it I think it was Mary I wrote it on a previous page I think it was Mary who said yes Mary said she would give us two thousand dollars up to two thousand dollars for every dollar that was called in so give us a call whatever it is let's Mary wants to give us that money she wants it to be part of Catholic radio she wants to support it and we want to to be able to add that to the bottom line of of the Catholic radio but we need your help to do that. She wants to bring as many people with her as possible. She wants everyone to link arms and to double the amount that's called in. So if we call in with fifty dollars, she'll double it. If we call in with thirty dollars a month, she'll double it up to two thousand dollars. So give us a call six seven eight six eight eight four five four nine. Or the dot is the number to call, and we would really love it if you would just take a minute and and give us a call. And now we're going to go back to Andrew, who is talking with us about this difficult topic and facilitating the discussion that's going on.
1: Awesome, Casey. Do you mind? Uh, you didn't get a chance to share before the break about prayer for you, but then also, um, you know, in with the women that you work with, um, if you could speak a little bit to. You know their their journey and their relationship with God, and how you see them um, finding healing in that as as they as they walk with you.
2: Yeah, I was actually was going to talk about one of our young ladies because I was going to share. Um, there's so many mothers out there that are praying for their children right now because um, a lot of them are hooked on heroin, hooked on drugs, um, incarcerated on the streets. There's a mixture, you know, just boys and girls that are getting caught up in this lifestyle. Um, we have a young lady, and I'm going to tell you about the power of prayer. One of our girls, she made a decision. She walked away from her pimp, well, was hospitalized um, after crossing paths with her pimp, and she was pregnant, and she ended up getting away from him and got into our um, our host house and ended up going to a program and detoxed, and now she's in a, a recovery program. I asked her the other day because there's been doors that have opened up for her that don't normally open up fast for a lot of girls because a lot of times it's hard getting them placed somewhere. Um, there's just a struggle sometimes finding them long-term housing. But this young lady, there have been doors that have opened up for her that most have to be on a waiting list for. And I told her, I said, you know what? You must, your mother must have been really praying, really, really hard for you. And she said, yeah, my mother actually used to call all these 1-800 numbers and say prayers, put me on the prayer list. she have her church praying. She'll have everybody that could pray for me, pray for me. And I said, well, you are getting, she's getting answers to those prayers now. It might have happened years and years ago that she started praying for you, but those results are now coming to fruit. And it's because I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe that you can see a young lady, and you might not be able to help her, but you can pray for her, You might not be able to provide housing for her or feed her or take care of her. But if you cross paths with a young lady and she touches your heart and you're concerned about her and God puts a burden on you, just like Tammy had prayed for the children at night because she just couldn't deal with it. God really does answer those prayers.
1: Um, That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome.
3: I'm I'm one to cry. That's so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to kind of stay on this. We can we can towards the end we can shift back to the broader broader topic. But um, I'm thinking of a couple of situations. Like there's a there's a local ministry called the, the Table on Delk where they just they just love on people on Delk Road, for example. And you know it's the the families are are living out of hotels, latchkey kids, things of that sort. Um, and in thinking about the healing, like I thought this might be a worthwhile perspective. Like for me, it changed when. I really realized, like, we should always pray in spirit and truth. Christ says, "Pray in spirit and truth," um, because it just changes us first to be able to see see things differently. And I'm, I'm thinking of this one young child in particular that, uh, you know, over time, when you're looking for, the, if, you, if you know that the wounds are spiritual, and you can see them being willing and able to trust, it's a beautiful thing. And something about it just kind of sets us at peace to kind of let God leave plenty of room for the Holy Spirit, um, because in the end you know he will he will take care of all things i was wondering if you all could share a little bit more about what's involved from your perspective in the full healing and freedom from being sexually trafficked and abused and to whatever extent from from those males that you've dealt with um because we've been talking largely about women um but i mean i've i've had conversations with men who have been sexually abused at the you know at the but it not I think there's maybe a few things that are a little bit unique about their walk, like at the last brunch that we had for the survivors, um, it just so happened that every male who had signed up to attend, for whatever reason, didn't attend, mm. um, and, and I think, you know, it was striking that it was that clear, so that led us to pray specifically for, you know, knocking out those strongholds that might be keeping men from finding that freedom, if, you know, for whatever understanding we had, but can y'all speak to a little bit about the kind of the full healing? Um, from a spiritual standpoint in this journey
3: uh for me, it was the shame i mean that's that's what most of my material and my books are about. When I ran away from home i didn't have the sense that uh I was a victim. I had the sense that it was almost like I was a perpetrator or i I felt like i was I just had an affair with twelve to fifteen men it It never felt like. That I remember. I mean, just so it's the shame of feeling like you've done something really, really awful. I started putting Comet uh, and bleach in my bathwater when I was about eight because I felt so dirty, and um, that's one of the reasons why women, or boys, men don't tell is because there's so much shame. You don't. The enemy has such a way to pervert and twist the truth around so that we don't understand that um, we're innocent and that we were the victim, not part of the problem. Or, and so that would be, to me, the number one thing is just the shame, shame. of it. What do you think, Casey? Well,
2: the shame, definitely. My, I, I don't share this often, but I was molested by my brother, but my brother was taught to do that to me, and so... Um, through the years we he he and i had a understanding I, I didn't blame him because it only went on for a minute it didn't go on for years it only went on for a short time and then um, my mother got us all separated because of my father and everything that was going on but my brother and i my brother has dealt with it more differently than i dealt with it and my sister we all we all handled it very different to me i, I was more i was it wasn't that he did what he did to me because to me I was so young. I remember some of it; I don't remember all of it. But it was I felt abandoned by my dad. Like, why don't you love me? Like, why don't you come and pick me up and take and take me shopping or take me come to my birthday parties? Like, that was how I dealt with it. Was anger? Like, like you know what's wrong with me? But. My sister, my sister turned inwardly, you know, she had a lot of anger. She would, you know, run away and hurt herself and just, there was just so much um, pain that she had to deal with. And my brother, he, he held, he was happy, you know, you couldn't tell that he was a victim of abuse, you know, because he was a good kid. He was a happy kid. Well, I wouldn't say he was a good kid because he did get in a lot of trouble, but for the most part. I was a happy kid i didn 't tell anybody what was going on. The only reason why they found out was because I went to the doctor and I had an STD in kindergarten so and But my sister cried out for help, and nobody believed her. So everybody just kind of has a different journey and a different way of healing. So for me, I was able to bounce back because um, I started talking about it, but other people don 't talk about it, and they hold it in, and that actually hinders them from healing. Mm. But then once I got into the church, that's when it all exploded. Like when I got in church and I realized the bigger picture that, wait a minute, I'm not the only one that this has happened to. It happens to everybody. You know, it's like every other family, it seems like there's abuse in it, some sexual or physical abuse. So it ended up the shame. I wasn't ashamed of it because I felt like then that I wasn't alone, that there was more people like that like me in the world. And so it empowered me to want to share my testimony and talk about it. Where my sister it took her years to get to that point. And my brother, he's not there yet, but he's in prison but he wants to be a pastor now. So he's starting to see the bigger picture and that it everything makes sense once you get older and once you find healing and start really finding time and spending time with God is when that real healing
4: comes.
1: Mm. Antoinette, anything just from, from engaging with those who you, who you walked with?
4: I, I just find it just makes me, this is where it makes me feel very sad. And like Tammy, that's when I, you know, I question God, but then I realize, who am I to question Him? And all I can do is continue to pray and to make things better by for people. So hence I'm in this ministry going out and trying to be available and be there when I meet the survivors at the brunch just to be available and to listen to them because you know i know how to heal you but i can't take away the pain and the memory so i think that this is where it's always very difficult for me when i have to listen to your pain how do i deal with it
1: Mm. let me let me take the discussion back to the the broad city of atlanta uh perspective for a second um, but I think it was important that we we deal a little bit with you know, the the personal journey because once once the woundedness is there, um, you know there is that sense of shame, there is that sense of feeling alone, and 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 you know the main thing is to to see him lead the way through. Um, but with the things that you all see going on now to combat this in the city, what do you see that works um, really well? And, and if there's anecdotes that that you can point out, that's awesome. And then what do you where do you see there could be uh things that could be improved or could work better
0: and before you start that, I'm gonna give out the number one more time. We would love to see some phone calls coming in 678-688-4549. 678-688-4549. We only have about nineteen more minutes, eighteen more minutes. actually, do we go off, go off at fifty seven again? So less than that. We have about 15 minutes left, and we would love it if you would give us a call or go online, thequestatlanta.com. Let's get some more calls coming in here at the last minute, and then please pass the word that we have a Catholic Radio Pledge Drive going on, that there is a new station here in Atlanta, 1160 a.m. Get on social media. Get on your email. Let the people know that we have this radio station and ask them to tune in tomorrow. Tomorrow we have a new set of guests. And uh, so let me just real quick go down who you can expect to hear from tomorrow. We're going to have Mountain Buterac. He's going to be talking about the Catholic Traveler. He's actually calling in from Rome. So he'll be calling in and and sharing with us a little bit. And also Carmen Luisa Koya is gonna. He's, she's a lay Dominican who's studying in Rome, and she'll be calling in from Rome. So we'll have that. We'll have Monsignor James Finnessy, who's a retired priest. We're gonna have Dr. Alveda King and Maria Brown. It's gonna be our pro-life hour, and Marianne McNeil. And we'll be from noon to one tomorrow. We'll be. Talking with all of them about the pro life movement and priests for life and and post abortion treatment and healing at one o'clock we 're going to talk with Brian Finnerin, who is a former NFL retired Falcon player, and uh, Ricky Taylor will be doing the the uh, interview he 's a radio personality, so he 'll be interviewing him. Mari Cleveland is going to talk about uh, Bible studies and she 's a retreat leader. And uh, she'll be talking about the spiritual life with us. Betsy Orr is going to talk about Purification Heritage Center, which is uh, the oldest Catholic cemetery and the things that they are doing through this organization. Father Ma- Martin Connor is going to, from Regnum Christi, is going to talk about that organization and the spiritual life. Father Henry Atem is the pastor of St. George. He'll be talking with us. And then we're going to have a group of teens are going to talk about us about how. They are living their Catholic faith and uh, growing in their relationship with God through music. So that's our lineup from tomorrow. So please stay tuned and please let other people know that we have the Pledge Drive going on. And right now, we would love it if you would give us a call and the number to call again, 678-688-4549 or go online, thequestatlanta.com. Right now, we are talking with... Andrew with Antoinette with Tammy and with Casey and we're talking about the very difficult topic of sex trafficking and so we were going to talk about a broader picture with Atlanta we only have about 13 more minutes I'd also like to talk about you know you you Tammy you Casey you guys are some some success stories there so let's bring some hope into the the conversation and really talk about some success stories as well.
1: Uh, Casey, do you mind taking that, that first step? The question about what do you see working, because I know you're you, you're very involved in a lot of different aspects of, of all the efforts here in Atlanta.
2: Um, Well, first, I definitely see a lot of teamwork going on with all these different incredible organizations. When we first started, there was nobody, but maybe two organizations working against this issue. And now we're just really seeing a network of really, everybody's bringing something to the table, and everybody really cares about this issue. And it's really it's going to take a statewide effort to really end it in Georgia and, of course, across the U.S. But what I'm seeing is, What's really working, of course, when I I really feel that when the girls really do get plugged into a church that they truly love and they develop a new support system, a new community of um, believers that empower them and just love on them, that's when you really start seeing transformation. But the struggles that we come across is sometimes keeping them in the church. So getting them there is sometimes easy, but it's the mental health, we really have a breakdown in the mental health system because sometimes our ladies are coming off of drugs um, or they're you know, addicted to heroin or they're addicted to drugs and just getting them stabilized long enough to be able to get them detox and then get them um, their mental health under control and then getting them into a program because sometimes we want to put God on them within the first 24 hours and you can't do that. It's really a process that you just kind of have to walk with them through that journey, um, and so that has been a struggle, and just not enough housing. There's just there's just not enough housing for the women to be able to go to, or the girls to go to, um, just with defects. I know with defects alone, it's you know finding foster parents is a struggle. Hmm. But finding homes for these women and their children, or just women by themselves, to find a environment where they can thrive and just grow and not feel judged. Sometimes that takes a little while.
1: Gotcha. I'll share one, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spotlight Antoinette for a little bit because I think it's it's important. You know, like watching watching you in the in the last year to kind of get led by the Holy Spirit to do what you do when, when you had no awareness of this and all of a sudden just, you know, came back and said, We're gonna get to we're gonna get on this at St. Philip and easy. And then these prayer cards, I mean the prayer cards seem so simple, but those prayer cards have led actually that was what partly led to the conversation to have this discussion tonight. Um, was just it's a starting point. It's something it's something very simple. You can go into an establishment that's on a, a gas station or a coffee shop and just say, Hey um are you aware of this that's going on can we leave these with you here and and you'd be amazed at at the number of people who will say yeah you you can put those right here um because it's you know and it should it should start with healing from from god i mean if we start from the inside out the way that he creates us then it it should feel different and it does um so i mean just I, i share that to say the power of just discerning lord what's the next step what can i do and asking that question I think is something that's not to be overlooked. Um, so that's a story of hope for me, just to witness it. Um, but for you all, what what's a somebody that you've encountered that really, you know, when you when you saw the the journey that they were on, that brought you hope? What, what's something that stands out?
3: Well, one thing what I would say just to give the listeners hope is that the main thing that helped me heal more than anything else was somebody walking out, love and care over a long period of time. I was very easily offended. And very wounded and so I might have seemed like somebody that was either bipolar or I, I, I probably had a zillion DSM, you know, diagnoses from uh because of all the trauma. But when I would meet people of faith That would just be my friend, especially mother, you know, mother figures because I was starting for a mom just to love me over time. And so if you in your home, if you have teenagers or kids or or just women in your church that you can tell something, you might not even know if they're sexually abused, but, you know, over time. Just continue loving on them, and eventually they'll feel safe enough to maybe tell you their story. And it doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It could be an abortion. It could be anything. Just loving them over time, that did way more healing than all the fancy psychiatrists and and counselors that I saw. It's just somebody to to stay in with me because sometimes I would get mad easy and I would, you know, lash out or be angry because I couldn't manage all my emotions. But then to not be mad at me and be easily offended and run away and, and just give up on me. To come back and say, wow, last time we talked, you seemed really mad. Let's talk about it. So that would be hope. It's just staying in there with people that are wounded and just keep loving them.
4: Well, I just want to say I'm so proud of Atlanta because I think we have grown in such a way from someone who didn't know anything about it. And now there are signs everywhere. Um, we went to the airport and gave out cards. I got access there. Delta's doing great work on it. I find that now, I mean, even the police, the ambulance, the ambulance stations, they even have um, fire stations. I've got signs to help people being available. Um, QT. There's a lot of work being done, and I think that for us to be more aware and really notice. So I think Atlanta is doing a great job, considering we're supposed to be the worst. I think they're making <laughs> some efforts, and so I think if everybody tries just be more aware aware of your children, aware of what's going on, aware of your neighbor and just keep praying. Thank you.
1: Casey, how about you?
2: Well, I just with Atlanta and uh, you know the Super Bowl's coming and so there's just so much to still be done. Um even preparing for the Super Bowl and what's going to be happening um with you know just the the money that's going to be coming here We just got to be educated and be aware, and like Antoinette said, you know, just be aware of what's going on around you and just get involved. I mean, just don't be afraid of this issue, because so many people are afraid. It's like, oh, my God, we can't say that word Mm -hmm. in church. Um, But don't be afraid of it, and don't be afraid of the women that you can reach or the, the teenagers that are involved in this. Um, or the boys that are involved in it, just, you know, just get involved, just do something, because everybody's got something that they can bring to the table and be a part of. And maybe it's not, you know, doing outreach or, you know, loving on a girl, but it could be, you know, going to a boys and girls club. It could be just getting involved in your community um, and just being used by God and whatever that might be.
4: But even at church, I find even my own church, when I started, people look at me blank, but now everybody's becoming much more involved more aware even coming up to me and telling me stories about things that happened to them so i think that being aware and giving that confidence to people is what we need to continue doing yeah
1: yep yeah um i'll say this I, I you know i remember in the years past telling people that the citywide prayer is like neighborhood watch just with jesus <laughs> and um it, it, it just, it's just showing up kind of having being willing to keep your eyes open and engage and care and it's okay to say you don't know because then we're seeking to understand which is what we should be doing with God anyways and something somehow in, in all that stuff happens um, so that that's always a, a, a reminder and a moment of hope um, when we as we close here um, I'd like to ask each one, one of you all you know if there's a prayer that you believe um, the Holy Spirit would, would love for us to all pray Um, to bring about his healing and light on this. And and if if there's a story tied to it, feel free to share the story. Anybody have something that they feel led to to bring up in prayer?
3: Just pray for families and and pray for awareness. Yeah.
2: I would say one thing. My church, when I first started going to church years ago, in 2003 when I walked into the church, I was was invited to the ladies' um, Bible study. And I didn't even have a Bible, and but I was just so drawn to the church that I went to the dollar store and got a dollar Bible and went to the church. But my pastor's wife gave me the prayer Jabez. Je- 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 I can't talk today. Book, and I started reading that, and it was just talking about expanding your territory and just um, and and that prayer alone, um, it just really kind of started opening doors for me. And I just started praying that, and I didn't know much about the Bible, and I didn't read it much, but it just, because of that, um, I just felt like it really made, you know, it stuck with me. It was something simple, and it just stuck with me.
4: Mm. Just to, I just want to say thank you to Father John and Deacon Chambliss and Deacon Greg and Father Paul for all their support, because from my start of this, they've always been there and supportive to me, and I just thank you very much.
1: I'll toss that one, one small anecdote and then maybe, Tammy, do you mind closing this in a prayer? No, that'd be great. Um, you know, I was thinking back to, this made me think back to the, the anecdote of the, the young child who was at the table on Delk that I was mentioning. And just to to illustrate how we can be surprised or we should always leave our eyes open to be surprised, there was one time when I was there and I was actually having a bad day. And of all things, the the young person that I, was, that I realized has had some harm and abuse in their life, that child came up to me and said what's going on we need to pray
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and if you looked at it from a circumstance standpoint you say there's no reason that that kid should be the one you know oh that kid needs the help it's like no the holy spirit moved through that kid to help me so um so i you know just the importance of always leaving plenty of room for the holy spirit because mm-hmm. that's 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 what we get to receive thanks to jesus mm-hmm. yeah um tammy do you mind closing this yeah, in a prayer not
3: at all. Thank you, Father, for the Quest Radio. This is an amazing station, Father. Thank you that they would have us on and they want to bring this issue out. Thank you, Lord, that you love us all so much and that you do have a plan for each of our lives. You have a plan for for good and not for harm. Thank you that you're a good, good, loving God. We ask the Holy Spirit to come to not only bless the listeners here today, they're listening we pray that you would provide the financial needs for this radio and we pray for every survivor out there whether a survivor of sexual abuse or any other trauma the people that are in the industry father we pray that you would help them that you would rescue them you are the ultimate rescuer father not us but we ask that you would work through us that we would be tools and a resource in your hands to use us as you would want we love you father god and we praise you and we thank you in jesus name amen. amen amen
0: Alright, so we are going back to regular programming and we are grateful to, to Andrew, to Antoinette, to Tammy and to Casey who came and, and shared with us uh, some very difficult moments from their own lives and, and um, really made us more aware of the things that are going on around us and gave us some, some ideas of, of ways starting with prayer and continuing through um, just really keeping our eyes open and being willing to report if we suspect anything and so we are grateful for them sharing with us today we would love it if you would give us a call or go online and make a pledge we we uh, did not have any calls during that hour it was a very difficult topic and and uh, so now you know we'll be around answering phones we can, you know, pick up anything that's made all night long. We'll pick it up in the morning if you if you make a pledge on thequestatlanta.com or give us a call at 678-688-4549, 678-688-4549 or thequestatlanta.com. Please, again, let your friends know that we have this pledge drive going. It is so important that we take advantage of this time and really get the pledges coming in. And so let everybody know and and tune in tomorrow from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. when we'll be having more great guests on. Give us a call, (coughs) 678-688-4549.